Day 1, Sunday, October 6. Maggie Detweiler, new-minted woman of leisure and not at all sure she was going to like it, had no sense of impending tragedy as she posed in front of the broad stone veranda of the Aquasock Mountain Inn that bright October morning. She didn't really know what made her say to Hope. When your picture's being taken, don't you always wonder if it's the one that will run with your obituary? Well, that one won't be, Hope Babin said, consigning the image to the digital trash can. Hold still and smile, will you? Maggie did. And no, of course I don't. What a strange woman you are. Hope showed Maggie her cheerful image now glowing on the screen of her iPad of a smallish, pleasant-looking woman with a warm smile, intense blue eyes, and a halo of feathery white hair. Oh, am I? I think it's much better to keep in mind that it's waiting for all of us than to have it come as a surprise, said Maggie. For Maggie, it was probably something to do with retirement, which already was not at all the way she had once pictured it. To begin with, in the time it took you to get to Bergen, Maine, you could have flown to London. When her husband was alive, they had dreamed of retiring to a bedsit in the West End. But in this first unstructured autumn of the rest of her life, she had instead taken a train to Boston to meet her friend Hope, who had recently left New York for a Beantown suburb. Together they had trailed out to Logan Airport and after a longish wait for a piece of equipment, which turned out to be the plane, there had been fog somewhere along its puddle-jumping route. They had flown to Bangor. There, Hope insisted on being the one to rent a car because it was her treat, this whole trip. They drove another hour and a half through the early dusk, past a stark northern moonscape of blueberry barrens studded with vast boulders dropped by haphazard glaciers in the last ice age. Then, on narrow roads that felt like tunnels cut through blue-black evergreen forests pressing in on them from both sides. By the time they reached Bergen, Maggie had come to fear that Hope had no peripheral vision at all. When you lived in New York, you didn't know what kind of drivers your friends were. Hope never actually hit anything, but Maggie thought it a miracle that the car still had both side mirrors when they finally found the Aquasock Mountain Inn, the late Victorian stone pile that hulked at the head of Long Lake. So it wasn't London, but the inn was charming, and it made sense for Maggie and Hope to see if they traveled well together. They'd been friends for years. They made each other laugh. They shared a penetrating curiosity about how people had chosen to live their lives now and in the past. Maggie's life list of things to do before the rocking chair and the ear trumpet was heavier on museums and medieval ruins than Hope's, and Hope's was longer on palaces and gardens than Maggie's. But both had a yen to see sites of ancient civilizations in uncomfortable parts of the world, which Maggie's much-mourned late husband would have loved, and Hope's unlamented ex would have hated. Hope could afford to travel in far grander style than Maggie, thanks to having years earlier caught the father of her children, a hedge fund monster, in an extremely compromising position with the children's nanny. Indeed, a position worthy of the Kama Sutra. 
The husband did not wish the details of their ensuing divorce aired in the New York scandal rags, let alone the Wall Street Journal, so he had made a generous settlement with Hope on the condition that she never talk about it. And she never had, which was more than could be said for his next three wives. So the Aquasock outing was a trial run. Here, it would be easier to pull the plug than if they were halfway up the Andes when they discovered that it wasn't working out. Hope had signed them up for a cooking course, being given by the inn's resident chef, whose food was winning some attention on luxury travel blogs. Maggie remained agnostic about the amusement value of this, since her culinary skills were mostly confined to working the microwave— but retirement is a time to learn new things. They'd been given rooms in the original part of the inn with lake views, as recommended by TripAdvisor, and had enjoyed a late and excellent dinner in the dining room the night before, where they got a chance to take the measure of their fellow inmates. They had spent this morning canoeing and been thrilled when an enormous blue heron, hidden among some rushes they were plashing toward, had suddenly erupted from its hiding place with a crashing of water and great paddling of wings. And now they were happily heading back down the mountain to the village of Bergen, dimly seen the night before with its two white-steepled churches on opposite sides of the main drag and its interesting Richardson-Romanesque public library— Someone in Bergen had had a good deal of money a hundred and fifty years ago.